0: if you piggyback the entire day where one thing follows the next without fail, then you no longer have to use nearly as much willpower because it's simply a question of what's the next habit in my day? Okay, cool, that's the one I'm doing next. And then all of the habits eventually become subconscious or automatic, and then it's even easier because it's like you don't even have to think about what happens next, your body and brain just kind of know. And that makes it so that time
1: management is simply habit progression. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Inside the Inspired, the podcast where we dive deep into the stories of entrepreneurs and innovators who are changing the game in their respective industries. Before we dive into it, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe to the show if you haven't already, and follow us on Spotify so you can stay up to date with all the latest episodes and content coming your way. Most recently, I was in Austin, and I got the chance to connect with a very awesome individual. This dude is an output that is borderline unmatched. I've met some very high-achieving people in my day, but whether it comes to entrepreneurship, acting, engagement, fitness, this dude just seems to have all his ducks in a row. I'm very humbled and excited to welcome a new friend to the show, Mr. Patrick Lyons. How are you today, sir?
0: I'm well. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate the kind words.
1: Hey, man, I call it like I see it. But, you know, I think it would be very just awesome to start out by introducing you, asking you with all the output, and we'll get into all the things that you're up to, what mission are you on, man?
0: Yeah, so my mission is toward success, where success is defined as happiness, fulfillment, and health while helping others. Basically, in the COVID era, I spent a lot of time reflecting on what it is that actually matters to me, what makes me feel alive, and why I'm doing all the things that I'm doing. And I realized that it's for no one individual reason. It's for a multitude of different things, and every single thing that I am working toward falls into one or more of those pillars, happiness, fulfillment, and health. So it's the sort of thing where if the actions that I'm taking don't line up with one or more of those things, I'm probably going to stop taking those actions ASAP and move on to something else.
1: I appreciate the holistic approach. That's something that I noticed right away. You have multiple pillars by which you operate, mindset-wise. I'd love to learn a little bit more about how you stumbled upon this approach or in your case is probably rather deliberate I find in all the interactions we have there's a very there's a lot of intent behind everything that you do and along with that sincerity so how did you come to this holistic approach to your lifestyle
0: Yeah so what happened was I was invited to give a talk in Austin Texas and the talk was going to be, I believe, in around March of 2020. And then a thing called COVID happened. And so that conference was canceled. But I'm sitting in Seattle with this high-level idea of what I wanted to talk about at that thing. And kind of the mindset that I approached in determining what I wanted to speak about at that conference was, you know, if I had 15 minutes of the world's time to hold their attention, what would I tell them? And this caused me to go into this deep introspective journey of, Like, what do I feel I have to offer the world that maybe someone else doesn't? Or why would someone listen to me as opposed to anyone else? And I realized that I don't have any one shtick. Rather, I have a lot of different things that I do, but I specifically do them consistently and without fail hundreds of times over to the point of like getting to whatever it is that I set out to do, aka I practice a heck of a lot of habits. And so once I realized that that's the topic I kind of wanted to go toward in this talk that was then canceled, I was like, okay, well, that idea still exists in my mind. I want to do something with it. And so that's when I set about writing a book and that book started getting written in May of 2020. And I had that high level view of like, okay, habits for me are the best and easiest way to get toward a successful life. Then I was like, okay, well, what does success actually mean to me? And long story short, it was like, I started with an idea of what I thought success was but the more and more I thought about it, I was like, "Wait, but that's missing X, and it's missing Y, it's missing Z," and eventually realized that success to me was all encompassed within those three pillars: happiness, fulfillment, and health. I can't remember exactly the the order that I came about them, but I want to say that it started with um, happiness and health, where I was like, "Okay, I have to be happy and I have to be healthy in order to be successful." And then I was like, "But there's something else missing there because there are some really important moments in life where." they're not inherently like good or bad for health and they don't necessarily make you happy, but it does do something else enriching to your life. And I was trying to put the words to like what that thing is. Like one example is like, imagine that you're a father and your child comes to you and is going through like a really hard time at school and you get to make that child feel better in that moment. Like, you have this this feeling inside of you that this this child that I've made, I don't have any children, I'm just speaking theoretically, but this child that I've made is in a really like hurt, hurt place right now. And so I can't say that I'm happy because of this situation, but I can certainly feel fulfilled as a father that I've helped this person to get to a better place. And so I realized like, okay, those are my three pillars, happiness, fulfillment, and health. And one of the kind of sub pillars of fulfillment is helping others specifically because there are so many different ways to experience fulfillment fulfillment through family through friendship through faith in god through pursuit and achievement of goals and then there's helping others it's like that has to be one of the elements of fulfillment to be truly fulfilled and so it was really just going on this introspective journey of like asking myself the questions repeatedly what is it that i'm working toward uh in my life and within this definition is there anything missing until i finally got to the point where i was like you know what This is all encompassing. There's nothing missing. This is my definition. This is what I'm working toward.
1: One of the first things I noticed about you is the value that you place on your words. You're extremely articulate. Why is it important to have such an arsenal of words? I'd love to get your take on it.
0: I've never been asked that question before. I I think the reason why words are valuable is because inherently they make us human. And they also convey thoughts that otherwise might go unspread or undeveloped. Because I've done probably, I don't know, 40 plus podcasts at this point, not my own, but like of being guests on others. And what I've found is that I've never walked away from a podcast without a new learning from the words that I said. And I say it that way, not that I don't learn something from you hosting the podcast, but I literally learn things about myself through the answers that I give. Because I think there's something inherent to spoken word that leads to development of thoughts far more than written thoughts ever will. Especially when you're asked a question that you haven't been asked before, it causes you to think about things in a new way. And uh, that doesn't happen unless you're willing to verbally communicate. And if you don't hone your verbal communication skills, then you're literally selling yourself and others short of the ideas that you could be putting out into the world.
1: That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, Even just being able to articulate your process for articulating, I think it is (laughs) just extremely valuable for the audience to like take a second to say, hey, do I have enough words for my words? And different ways to go about it could be reading, researching, and on that note, you're someone who has this. I remember I had a professor in law school who said that as an attorney, you're going to get asked a lot of questions, and you're not going to know the answer to all of them, but you'll have this skill of research. You'll know how to look up the answer. So you could always go to the client and say, Hey, let me come back to you. I'm going to do some research throughout your content. There's this tone of consistency, which I want to get your definition on. We're going to put that on the shelf later, but also this tone of depth behind all the research that you do. And something that's very intriguing to me is why And also, where do you come up with all the topics? How do you fit all that information in your head?
0: Yeah, good question. So I'll give you kind of the backstory of where this came about. I remember in high school, I was taking a computer science class, and it didn't come naturally to me. And so I talked to the guy who was the best computer scientist that I knew in high school. His name is Travis. And he just seemed to have a knack for it, where I just had to ask him, like, how are you so good at this? Like, why?" Why do you know this so well? Or how do you get, you know, a hundred on every test? Like, I just wanted to know. And he was like, it's not that I know every answer. It's that I know how to find every answer. And I know how to research and get to the bottom of it. And that really gave me a different way of thinking of things where it's like the people who are the very best at what they do don't know everything from square one or day one or whatever. It's just that they know how to get the answer by any means necessary. And so I've applied that mindset to my current research approach within the world of fitness, wherein if I have a question that I don't know the answer to, I'm definitely going to write it down, and at least eventually I'm going to research and find out the answer. Similarly, if a client or a follower or a friend or a family member comes to me with a question and I don't know the answer, I want to know the answer so the next person who comes to me with that question, I can answer them, and so I can go back to that very person who asked it in the first place and be like, hey, I found the answer, here's what it is. And that fulfills my own curiosity endlessly, but it also helps make me more valuable to the people who are current and prospective clients. And if someone is a client of mine and they know that they can come to me with any question imaginable within the world of fitness and at least eventually get an answer, it almost makes me a more indispensable resource in their life where it's like they never feel like they've learned everything that they can from me because there's always another answer I can provide. So it really is just about like documenting what are the questions that I don't know the answer to. And so I just have notes on my phone where like I have one note per month. And in that note on my phone, I have all 30 or I guess it's 28 to 31 research topics for that month because I research at least one new topic every single day. And so I'm basically just continuously making new month, uh, new notes month over month. And just at the bottom of the note, that's where I write all of the questions that remain unanswered. I delete them as I answer them and then just kind of move on to the next one. But it's like I literally have received so many questions now that I don't know that I will actually ever get to all of them because it's like I probably have five to six hundred unanswered questions in my notes now. But that gives me a massive pool to pull from. Um, And to answer your final question about being able to kind of keep it all in my head, I would say that it's the idea that once you've formed a basis or a foundation of a thing, like having a worldview or a concept of what does health and fitness mean, it's kind of like each new idea or each new answer you get builds upon that foundation. It's just like you almost form these neural networks in your brain that make sense of the world that you're in. Whereas if I was to even start to learn like the world of legality and legal law, I don't have that, that foundational view, so I don't have something to build upon in the first place. It's like starting from truly nothing. But because I have that foundation, it makes it easier for me to process and build upon. And now I'm at like more than four and a half years into daily research. I've researched, I think it's over 1,700 topics now. And it's like, that sounds overwhelming to me still, but it's
1: like, it only happened because of a daily habit that built upon itself. Compounding interest yeah some in substance but there's also one other thing i want to ask you about it your skill of in of researching of investigating do you put weight on some resources relative to one another how do you know when you not saturated or tapped the topic or fulfilled maybe i am asking that how do you kind of like scratch the itch, if you will, on the particular topic to be like, hey, this is the threshold by which I feel I've satisfied my inquiry.
0: Yeah. So I guess the first thing that's important to emphasize is that I have strict requirements for what counts as research in the first place. Like if I just Google like uh, how to build muscle optimally and click on the first article, there's like a 0% chance that that's going to fulfill my requirement because my requirement is that it must pull directly from the published peer-reviewed scientific literature on that subject, or it has to come from an industry expert with 10 plus years of experience, and or it has to come from a PhD explaining those sorts of things, or an industry expert explaining those things that pull and cite the research directly. That way, I at least know that by like a secondary or tertiary source, whatever the right word is, that I'm pulling directly from the scientific literature. So it's not opinion, it's not subjective, it's objective, and it's based on research. That's where I get my definition of like, okay, I'm allowed to use this as my source. Then to answer the question of whether or not I've scratched my itch, the thing that I am very um, reasonable with is that I don't have to learn everything about a subject to fulfill the topic. I just have to learn one new thing about it in that day from one source. So for example, let's say that I find a study about whether or not a given level of calorie surplus lead to more or less muscle gain than another level of calorie surplus to put hard and fast numbers to this let's say that your maintenance calories are 2,000 calories per day the question is what is the exact amount of calories over and above that that optimizes my hypertrophy or my muscle building is it 100 calories above is it 200 is it 300 and so what i can do is and i literally did this last night this is why i'm using this topic as the example I found a study where they basically had people at maintenance calories at a 5% surplus or at a 15% surplus. And it just looked at how much muscle thickness did they build, how much skin fold thickness or fat mass accumulation did they have, and how much strength did they gain. It's just one study. We can't say that it's like all encompassing and applies to everyone universally, but no doubt that is a study on the subject that I have to question about. And so just by reading that study, I know that I've learned something new that is supported in the research by very well-established researchers on that subject. So for that day's research, itch has been scratched.
1: I love the fact that you have standards, elements, if you will, that you have to fulfill in order to qualify your research and fulfill that inquiry. And what I also noticed in there is data backed evidence based Where I wanna go next is you got a lot of output, writing a book, multiple businesses, hosting retreats. How do you manage your time?
0: Yeah, good question. So one thing that I do every single day in my corporate job is, and that's I guess a thing to add to the list of things, I have a corporate job still, but I have a daily power hour. And what that means is that in that one hour of time, I'm not allowed to use my phone. I'm not allowed to give in to any distractions or temptations. I just grind for that one hour. And that one hour, I would say, is like easily the reason why I'm able to be so efficient with like the rest of my day, because it's like I get out of the way so much stuff that might have drug on by hours and hours and hours. It's the concept of like, if you go back to middle or high school or even college, when you have some, you know, assignment or test coming up. If you give yourself a week to do it, you're going to take a week to do it. If you give yourself two hours, you will get it done in two hours because you have to. And so if I only give myself one hour to do as much work as humanly possible, I will get done a heck of a lot of work in that time. Whereas if I never gave myself that rule of restriction, I would just be more inefficient. So that's kind of one of the things. And then the other way that I structure my time in my day is simply through habits in the form of piggybacked habits. And what that means is that there's never like a lag time or a gap from one habit to the next everything feeds into the next one because as soon as you have a lull or a time where you give yourself the privilege or opportunity to sit down on the couch or lay down on your bed or watch netflix in the middle of the day or tv or what have you then you are inherently kind of giving into comfort and then your mind no longer wants to be nearly as productive and then you have to surmise uh willpower to get the next thing done Whereas if you piggyback the entire day where one thing follows the next without fail, then you no longer have to use nearly as much willpower because it's simply a question of what's the next habit in my day? Okay, cool. That's the one I'm doing next. And then all of the habits eventually become subconscious or automatic. And then it's even easier because it's like you don't even have to think about what happens next. Your body and brain just kind of know. And that makes it so that time management is simply habit progression.
1: Easily the first time I've ever heard that time management as habit progression. That is extremely profound. You find (laughs) that, and this is just for, I'm speaking on behalf of the challengers. Do you find that maybe it's too much productivity? Maybe like you've just saturated the whole thing to the point where it's like, you know, I'm way too productive for my own good. And someone may be, intimidated or turned off, how would you respond to that individual?
0: I think it really is a matter of you just staying in the lane of what you're working toward. Because it's like, if I was to pull back on one or more of the things that I'm currently doing, then I would inherently be getting less close or at least getting there less quickly to my definitions of success. And so it's like, it's literally a question of, am I willing to give up being closer to my ideal life and my answer is no on that one like i'm not willing to sacrifice something and not get closer to my ideal life but i will say one thing that i only started doing maybe two or three months ago very intentionally where i realized that my entire day genuinely was so productive that it did start to lead to some feelings of burnout and it didn't actually stop me from doing things anyways Because of just pulling from that habit concept, it's like once habits are truly automatic, it almost doesn't matter how tired or burnt out you are, you'll still do everything that you set out to do because it's automatic, but that didn't make it any less like mentally cumbersome. And so what I did intentionally do, and I do habit stack throughout my entire day, habit stack being defined as two or more habits occupying the exact same time example when i do my research i'm always walking like those are a habit stack thing always because if i was just researching uh then i would just be sucking up a lot of time in my day but because i'm walking i'm working toward my step goal for that day and i'm getting my research in but when i have started habit stacking over the last two or three months is while i am making and eating lunch i will just watch a silly youtube video completely unproductive that just makes me smile or laugh so that I can completely let my mind just go and not feel like I have to be doing something that's getting me closer to anything. It's just pure enjoyment. And because it's habit, stacked with lunch, which has had to happen anyways, it doesn't do a break. Uh, it doesn't lead to a break like what I was talking about before because the habits are still following each other. I was gonna have to eat lunch anyways. I could either just eat and focus on my food or I could eat and do something else. And I realized that it didn't really make much of a difference to the rest of my day. Other than getting to experience that enjoyment and kind of like a mental relief that then allowed for maybe even greater productivity or happiness or something thereafter.
1: Pardon the interruption for this episode. We have a quick word from our sponsors and then we're right back to the show. The Inspired Speaker Formula just dropped. A formula to help you break free from speaking anxiety and stage fright. I designed this course based on overcoming my own fears of getting on stage. Caught in my own head, I was only thinking about my feelings rather than the message that I had to offer. It's about showing up for everyone else in the room and delivering in a way that brings value to your audience. That's what this course is about. How to pick your theme, theory, and thesis and normalize your fears around public speaking so you can do it in a way that captures and keeps your audience's attention. As someone who struggled with learning disabilities growing up, this course is the solution that I needed and now I'm offering it to you. You can catch the course on Udemy or InsideTheInspired.com where you can also earn a special gift from me to you. Just use the access code INSPIRED. That's right. Head over to InsideTheInspired.com to go check it out. All right, let's get back to the show. I love how you deliberately curated something fun to disconnect in the middle of the day. Some people yeah. might call it unproductive, but it's actually, sounds like in your case, a hack to be more productive, which I resonate with because I have something very similar. It's like, I, I never looked at it as habit stacking, the fact that, you know, I eat lunch and I want to like watch a YouTube video, but I see the parallel where, like you said, all the habits, you know, piggyback off one another. So I'm also very interested in how you go about documenting everything. And I've noticed through your content, when we got the chance to meet in Austin, you shared that you're writing a book and you mentioned it here today. There is a percentage that you assign in terms of the completion on a daily basis. The other thing that I also appreciate about what you're up to is that you spent a lot of time on the book. And there's a lot of character reflected within that alone. What is the premise of the book? And how do you go about tracking its completion?
0: Yeah, so the premise of the book is basically everything that I've just said uh, in very, very rich detail, pulling from the scientific literature where it's like, I don't know the exact number, but right now the book is probably pulling from around 3,000 sources. So it's like very, very evidence based. And it's specifically about the science behind habits and how they lead to the happiest, healthiest, most fulfilled life. Again, basically from objective research. Granted, I'm pulling from my own anecdotal testimonials and the stories of others all throughout, but it's all going back to the research. And um, in terms of how I'm tracking my progress, Initially, it was just like I would show a picture of the page count and the word count. But then I finished the first draft, and I had to edit it. And there was a piece of me that was like, shoot, the page count isn't like changing. The word count isn't changing a whole lot. Maybe it changes a little bit, but it it didn't feel like I was um, being able to see the progress as tangibly anymore. And so then I just happened to be following a friend who was also writing a book, and one day I saw... Like he just posted uh, occasionally this chart where it would show the total number of pages, the number of pages edited, the percentage edited out of that total, and what the date was. And when I saw that, I literally responded. I was like, bro, I'm stealing this. I'm doing this starting today. And so I did. And so every day since then, I just like take a picture of how many uh, pages are edited out of the total. And I just have a requirement that I edit at least one page. And the page that I'm referring to is an eight and a half by 11, like Google Doc. So it's like a page of that is far more than an actual page of a book, since book pages are like way smaller than eight and a half by 11, but that's the concept.
1: I believe it would be valuable to the audience to learn your perspective on this particular topic. Imposter syndrome. You know a lot of information. They say the more you know, the less you feel you know, and then it kind of falls into that whole spiral of imposter syndrome. Have you ever experienced it? And if so, how do you combat it?
0: Yeah, good question. So I felt imposter syndrome at multiple points throughout my life. And I think the first one that is the most uh, tangible in memory was whether or not it was the right time for me to start my fitness coaching business. And I definitely was thinking about others who were very well-known, renowned fitness coaches, things, people like. Tony Horton and Sean T who have created programs like P90X and Insanity where like in my head I'm like okay well that person obviously deserves to have made that because like they are you know the top tier type of fitness celebrity coach out there so like obviously they're gonna be able to do that but maybe I'm you know five or ten years out out from that I don't know when that's gonna happen but like I'll get there. But then what happened is I competed on American Ninja Warrior and the reason why that like those might seem like completely uh, untied things, but what happened there was a casting director believed in me enough that they were like, okay, Patrick, you get to be on this TV show. And it made me realize that like, okay, this other person who has known relatively little of my life, other than like what I've told them in like uh, an audition video, believed in me enough that I got to do this thing why can't I believe in myself enough to launch my own fitness coaching business? Like why do I need five or 10 years to to do that? Like what's gonna happen in that time? And I realized that like I was waiting almost on permission from some other thing or person where the only real permission that I needed was my own. And so I gave myself that permission and shortly thereafter, I launched my fitness coaching business and it literally worked from day one. As in I had clients from day one Because I'd already been sharing my own story through fitness and various elements of like fitness science and optimization of fitness on my social media, literally for years up to that point, I just hadn't launched my own business. But because I'd been adding that free value, it worked from day one. And so in that way, it was just like, I just needed to get out of my own way. Um, But then I would say more recently, the only real form of imposter syndrome that I, I think I face on a regular basis and not that regularly, just like occasionally, is I'm now comparing myself to a very different level of person. So, like, I've done four and a half years of daily research. In some odd way, I almost like to think of that as, like, a PhD equivalent. And I know that that's not, like, truly accurate because I didn't have to, like, go take tests. I didn't have to write a dissertation. But it's like, for all intents and purposes, I've researched something literally every day for four and a half years. I had no summer break. I had no weekends. I had no, like... Some classes during some semesters, some during not, literally every single day for four and a half years. So I'm like, okay, I aspire to be at the level of someone who is actually a PhD uh, in this field. And so now it's like some of the people who I follow and look up to on social media, whether YouTube or Instagram or TikTok or whatever, are the people who literally have PhDs behind their name. They're doing research themselves and they're summarizing the research on these subjects. So it's like when I see them, I will have occasional moments where I'm like, man, I don't know if I can ever be at that exact level. But what I have to kind of level or reason with myself about that is that that's kind of by design. I don't ever want to go and get a PhD. Like I have no desire to go back and do four years of school to get a degree when I already have, I believe, like the level of knowledge that most of the people at that upper echelon of education have. I'm not saying that I have the level of depth that they have and whatever they did their dissertation on. There's like a 0% chance that they have that level of depth, but at least at the holistic view of like what I know about fitness, fitness, science, health, wellness, supplementation, all of that. Like I have a very, very in-depth understanding of those things. And so it's like, I just have to accept that like, okay, if I'm not going to go back to school, which I'm not, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to, then like there isn't a, an imposter to be had. It's just like, I am who I am. All I can do is better myself every day uh, and use that knowledge to my uh, pedigree or whatever.
1: The irony of it is that it comes down to everything we're talking about evidence based. You've stacked quite a lot of evidence four and a half years worth, 1700 plus subjects worth, hours and hours and hours worth across multiple different disciplines that lend itself to a proficiency level beyond what you know, for better or worse, some experts or PhDs or any other credentialed individual may or may not have. And I think that's the point that I was trying to get across and that you very wonderfully displayed in the form of, look, this is what I've done. I get what other people do. I understand what could be, and I understand the avenues by which I should, but ultimately I'm relying on what I do and I'm trusting that based on the results that I get, in the way that i speak in the res- in you know the actual physical aesthetic in the experimentation which we could also touch on you use yourself as an experiment in a lot of ways whether that be what you are researching or how you go about bulking or cutting or whatever else you're up to right so what is the let's zoom in on on this on this for a second I'm gonna ask it twofold because you're pretty good at getting my compounding questions. I wanna understand your definition of consistency and why it's so important. And then I guess it's threefold. And then on top of it, if you could touch on using your human body and mind as an experiment. Yeah.
0: So consistency to me is doing the same thing every day or on whatever cadence you have set forth without fail with intentional exceptions. And the reason why I lay it out that way is a couple of things. I believe that almost every habit in your life should be every day because as soon as it's not, then you have that willpower problem again, where it's like, okay, there are some days where I'm just not going to do this thing. And then that means that the next day, it's a little bit harder to do because I didn't do it every day. But granted, there are exceptions, like you shouldn't resistance train seven days a week. So inherently, I'm going to have to have a rest day. Granted, I can replace that with another form of exercise, and that can still make you consistent. And then the, the without fail, but with intentional exceptions, the reason for that is because the more and more I've gone on my like habit practicing journey, the more I've realized that there are very warranted reasons not to practice a habit in specific scenarios. For example, uh, it's important to understand what makes up a habit. A habit is basically the cue that incentivizes you to do the thing in the first place, the action itself, which is the habit, and then there's the reward, which is what reinforces the habit in the first place so that you continue doing it. But let's say that you intentionally put yourself in a new environment where that cue is no longer there. Then there's a very good chance that it might not make sense to do that habit anymore because the cue isn't there. And so it might be for good reason. Example, every time I'm driving to and from the gym, I'm listening to a podcast. If I'm on a vacation where I'm not driving to and from the gym, I'm not just going to like artificially insert a podcast into my day because I have to do it because it's in my normal habit routine. I'm just not going to listen to a podcast during that period of my life, probably. Like, especially if I'm on vacation, that's really what I'm getting at, is that when you're on vacation, that vacation can almost be like a reward mechanism, wherein You don't have to do the things that you've done every day because the cues are gone. And the reason why that I believe that that is okay is because as soon as you return from that vacation, the cue is reestablished and the automation returns because the neural network is still formed in your brain. Your brain literally knows that when that cue happens, that's when the action occurs. And so I've done this through, and this is kind of getting into the next piece of your question about like the experimentation is I've experimented with these things to see like what is the ease of getting back or resuming the habit progression after a vacation? And it's effortless. It's literally like the second I get back, because all of the cues are there again, it's like 100% adherence again. And so I've really come to terms with that. Like Even though I'm literally obsessed with habits and with doing things every day, all it takes is me saying I do it every day except for X, Y, Z. Like, for example, I've worked out Every single week, at least five times a week since March 2nd, 2015, except for periods of injury, rest, recovery, and vacation. And it's like, I know that's a lot of caveats, but it's like, those are warranted caveats. And, uh, it still lends itself to like the utmost level of consistency within reason. Like I'm not going to sacrifice my entire vacation every single time, uh, just because I I have to adhere to these habits or whatever. So I view them as important, I view habits as important because- Uh, Or consistency is important because it kind of like if I make a commitment, I owe it to myself to uphold that commitment. Because if you can't uphold a commitment to yourself, how can you expect anyone else to uphold their commitments to you? Like you have to be more reliant upon yourself than anyone else to like thrive in especially an entrepreneurial environment. And so I'm very big on that commitment thing. And I will say that from the vast majority of all of the like very high performing people that I know. That is a consistent thread, wherein if they make a commin- commitment to themselves or others, they will never break it because it's like it's an almost an honor thing. It's like a, what kind of person are you if you can't do the thing you said you were going to do? Kind of getting back to your point about words and why words matter. It's also literally like your bind, or it should be. It isn't for everyone, but it should be. Um, And so then that answers, I think, the first two pieces of consistency and importance. The third one about human experimentation on myself, it's kind of like I'm not willing to do most things in the world of health and fitness until I've researched it and have some backing that like, okay, this thing either can or should work based upon what the scientific literature says. At that point, I want to know for myself. I want to try out the exact thing that I've read about in the peer-reviewed scientific literature and see what effects it has on me, and then document it as well as humanly possible to see what the end result is. The most common thing in this regard is just through body recompositional changes, muscle building and fat loss, and seeing how I can optimize that to the utmost degree based upon the current scientific literature. And this has gotten me progressively toward a better and better looking physique for myself in terms of like what my goals are for the aesthetic that I bring to photo shoots or vacations or just my daily life. And uh, then that even becomes like better marketing for me as a fitness coach, because it's like if I can achieve progressively better physique eight years down the road, then I can help clients do that, too, because I'm constantly applying new scientific literature. Um, And so I guess to kind of wrap that up, the experimentation concept, it's like I'm doing the best thing that I can do within the confines of my life in a way. Like, the ideal world would be, okay, I've researched this thing that was done on 20 subjects, now let me recruit recruit 20 people to do that exact thing, see if we can replicate or build upon the results with some sort of tweak. But I don't really have that luxury, or rather, I'm not willing to put forth the effort on that thing right now, so I might as well do it on my own life, because I only have to rely upon myself, and I know I can uphold my own commitment.
1: You did an awesome job of rounding it out and bringing it all together, how consistency, its value, and experimentation overlap because I feel like you get the wavelength by which I'm asking these questions and it's yeah. it's a fluid flow. You got a lot of Thank businesses, you. man. Speaking, writing, researching, retreats, your own online fitness coaching, modeling, acting, how do you justify having all these things coexist? Shouldn't you focus on one? Yeah, this
0: is actually a, a thing that I, I go deep on in my book. And I think I have the, the subsection titled, practice more habits or practice a habit more. It's the dichotomy of like, which way do you go? And how do you make that determination? And what I've realized is that you absolutely should have some habits or some areas of your life that you do devote significantly more of your attention to, because those are maybe the area or areas that you have the greatest desires for. And like you think about like an Olympic level athlete, they're literally practicing their craft like six, seven hours a day at times. And I actually asked an Olympic athlete um, earlier this year how much time he spent when he was like training for the Olympics. And he very intentionally and specifically said, I was spending about 50 hours a week either training or on the table. And he specified on the table because he meant like physical therapy, massage work, body recovery, because that is just as important as the actual training to make sure he doesn't break his body for the Olympics. And so that's kind of the way that I approach it. It's like I have laid out what my ideal life looks like as in like the thing I'm working toward, not just happiness, fulfillment and health, but what are like the 10 or 11 things in my life That I want to be a consistent daily, or if not weekly or monthly, part of my life. Off in the future, how do I get my current life closer and closer to that? And so that thought process has led to me laying out like, what are the exact habits I need to do at a like the biggest priority level right now? Assign the most time to those. But to answer your question about like, how do I justify doing so many different things if I have a couple of things that I want to spend all my time doing? And the way that I see it is it's like, if I didn't have all the different things that I would do, I think that everything would like suffer. I think that everything would be pulled back from because I wouldn't have a time constraint and I wouldn't be able to have so many different sources of joy in my life. For example, uh, I still work a corporate job and I do that almost in large part because of the urgency that establishes within the rest of my life. I'm not saying we're going to do that forever, but it's like if I take out X number of hours of my week because I have to work on my corporate job, I now have intentionally fewer hours with which to do everything else. That makes me more efficient at everything else. It also makes me appreciate everything else because I have the thing that I don't necessarily enjoy as much. Um, And then it's the kind of thing where it's like, I believe in scratching every itch that you have and at least trying it and trying it for as long or as much as you uh, see fit. And so it's like, there certainly are things that I've done every single day for, you know, a couple months, and then I decide, you know what? That's not something I'm going to keep doing every single day. So I pull back or I remove the habit altogether. I pour more time into other things. But it really is just like, you don't have to have just one thing that you enjoy. If you have multiple, you owe it to yourself to at least try doing them and then make adjustments accordingly if
1: you need to. Structure. Yeah. As we round this thing out, there's a question that I and listen, man, we could we could talk all night. Like this is, you're a phenomenal dude. You got a lot going on, and it's really cool to hear how you go about thinking these things. It's why I wanted you on the show. I believe that the audience is going to get a lot of value out of this episode, and they're all right now in their car at the gym, wherever they're listening to this. They're like, all right, I'm going to go check out my man's content, see like what this dude is about, because I want to implement some of these habits into my own lifestyle. What are the 10, 11 things that I want to go about instituting into my day? And there's a, I'll call him a friend, acquaintance, Eric Hinman. I've been following his content for years, but we got the chance to connect a few years ago. And then he's he's come on the show at its inception. And he talks about a very similar concept of chasing perfect days and curating whatever his perfect day would look like, whether it's that, you know, the espresso before a workout, multiple training sessions, riding a mountain bike, whatever it is, curating it into each and every day to design that perfect day. And it sounds very similar to the framework that you've outlined here today. So I have a final question for you that I ask all my guests. I'll pose it to you. If the future version of yourself, from 10 years from now, assuming he's in that ideal spot that you're aiming towards, were to fly in today and offer you some advice in order to get there, what do you think he would say to you?
0: Dude, I got chills. That's that's cool. (laughs) That's a really cool question.
1: I think he would say that
0: the things holding me back right now likely didn't have to hold me back in the first place and that it's still me as the only thing getting in
1: my way. You summed it all up, man. <laughs> Please let the audience know where they can keep up with your journey.
0: Yeah, uh, easiest way to reach me and follow me is my Instagram, at Patrick Lyons. I am also on pretty much every other social media out there. So TikTok, Patrick underscore Lyons, uh, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, just Patrick Lyons.
1: Um, Yeah. Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I have a feeling we're going to run this thing back after after you publish your book, I should say. There's a lot more to come. Everyone go check out his content. It's a good dude. Great mission. Appreciate you, man.
0: Heck yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. It was a blast.